2: is the Tom Hartman program well greetings my friends patriots lovers of democracy truth and justice believers in peace freedom and the American way the country is starting to melt down but my cat is really happy <laughs> we have we have actually three cats the youngest is his name is Ketty we discovered I was poking around YouTube and there's all these videos for cats If you go to YouTube and just type in videos for cats, there's one that's like eight hours long. And it's some guy in the UK who has taken a top of a table that is next to a little hillside with grass and stuff. And he puts food on there. And the birds come and eat it. And the squirrels come and steal it. And the mice come and snatch what they can. And my cat has been watching this since 7 o'clock this morning. He's just sitting there. And he's still there right now, two hours later. So, uh, you know... Cat porn on YouTube? Uh, am I damaging my cat, do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, is he, you know, should I limit his screen time? These are extraordinary times, so I'm inclined to, to let him watch all the cat porn he wants. But anyhow, meanwhile, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas, I, I mentioned this yesterday, said essentially that old people should be willing and enthusiastic to patriotically die so that Trump can put our economy back into gear. Right. Apparently, he didn't get the memo that most of them will die in a hospital, clogging up our healthcare system and infecting our healthcare workers. I mean, the bizarre part about this is Trump day before yesterday, when he was talking, when he was doing his little town hall with Fox News, he said, you know, 35,000 Americans die every year from the flu. Has nobody told him that COVID-19 has a mortality rate that is dead people between one and three percent? There's 330 million people in America. If one-third of Americans get sick with this virus, that's 110 million people. A death rate of 1% means 1.1 million people dead in the United States. A death rate of 2%, and that's with only a third of us getting infected, a death rate of 2% is 2.2 million people dead in the United States. And this disease also has a 20% rate of hospitalization. So if you get 100 million people who are sick with this, and that's really just a third of America, that's the most conservative, happy face estimates out there. One third of Americans. That's 110 million Americans. You're going to need 21 million hospital beds. We have nationwide one million hospital beds. We had a million and a half when Reagan came into office. He stopped enforcing the Sherman Act. As a result, all these hospitals started moving for profit and consolidating and buying up their weaker competitors and putting them out of business. And as a result of this, we now have only one million hospital beds. We used to have one and a half million in 1980. We're at one million right now. And apparently nobody told Dan Patrick this. Apparently nobody told Donald Trump. Glenn Beck says, I'm willing to die patriotically for the economy. Really? First of all, you're dying patriotically is not going to help the economy. In fact, it's going to clog it up. You'll just be another person in a hospital for a week and a half on a ventilator before you croak, Glenn. And, and secondly, you're going to be infecting the people around you. You're going to be infecting friends and co-workers. You're going to be infecting the hospital workers. This is the big crisis they're having in Spain right now. of all the people who are sick in Spain are hospital workers. They're losing their doctors and nurses because they weren't prepared for this. They didn't have the equipment, just like we weren't prepared for this and we don't have the equipment. But that's what's happening in Spain. It's it's already happened in Italy. It It happened in China. The guy who discovered the coronavirus, the physician, died of it in his 30s. I mean, this, this uh, latest story about how transmissible this is and how dangerous it is. Florida's Department of Health, this is from the Hill, Florida's Department of Health announced t- today, t- Tuesday, yesterday afternoon, that a baby boy and a two-year-old girl have tested positive with the coronavirus. The baby boy is less than a year old. And, you know, they're trying to figure out how these kids got it. Broward County has reported 312 cases as of this morning, compared with Miami-Dade's 600 and 367. Um, I don't know if you caught the segment on, uh, on Rachel Maddow's show last night where she had on the guy who is the owner of a company that sells smart thermometers. And when you use the smart thermometer, all the data, apparently anonymous, but it's got location data tied to it, and so it goes back to the company. And the company can see nationwide where there are fever outbreaks. And when you look at this, you see you know, New York City is glowing, nice and bright red, a lot of fevers in New York City. Washington state is glowing bright red. you got a couple of little spots around San Francisco. But the entire state of Florida looks like it's got the pox. I mean, it's just exploded across Florida, which means if we're, people are starting to get the fevers right now, in a week, they're going to start showing up in the ER. And Ron DeSantis in Florida is like, I don't, you know, nothing, no, no problem. Let the old people die, right? Just weed them out. And who cares about our hospital workers? We don't need no stinking hospitals or doctors or nurses. Let them all die. And then Brit Hume on Fox News says, you know, that's an entirely reasonable position. That was his phrase: Entirely reasonable. Yes, entirely reasonable. It's not only stupid and illogical, but it's also a sign of sociopathy, an absolute inability to empathetically connect with other people. I mean, what's next? Turn old people into soylent green? Just boil it well first? That's the direction it seems that we're going. The editorial board of the New York Times last night is calling for all Americans to shelter in place. This should be an order from the federal government, from the president. It won't be because he's an incompetent ass, but it should be. The editorial board of the New York Times says the United States is past the point where aggressive targeted efforts at tracking and containment have a realistic chance of success. Yeah, we're past that point because Trump fiddled while America burned. We'll get back to that in just a moment. The New York Times editorial board says we are urging Trump to use the bully pulpit to put pressure on and provide political cover for governors. Because these are hard steps, right? And a lot of these governors... Uh, You know, uh, Idaho, for example, the governor of Idaho has basically done nothing. Boise has not yet started popping, but it will soon. I'm just telling you, everybody coming back from spring break is bringing this all over the country. We're going to discover that Florida is the well from which the rest of the nation is being poisoned. And it'll have to do with spring break and young people. Mark my words, two weeks from today, you'll see what I'm talking about. Modeling by researchers at the Imperial College London indicates that upward of 2 million lives could be lost to the pandemic, unless we somehow manage to flatten the curve. Remember my speaking before, 2 million people, that's that's assuming a 2% death rate and only 100 million people getting infected. Those are both optimistic. The editorial board is reluctant to grant any White House more executive power, they write, much less this one, given its track record. But there is no one else to coordinate at the national level. It's time to put an end to the Freeform Daily Task Force briefings featuring the president. And it's a, they say it's a poor use of time. And, uh, you know, just appoint an expert, somebody who knows what they're doing, and have that person go on. Meanwhile, we discovered that uh, yesterday, Donald Trump desperately called the president of South Korea. Now, the published readout of this call from the White House includes absolutely no mention of coronavirus. But the South Korean government, it's called Blue House, um, they they let, published a, a readout in which Trump says, uh, you guys are doing great work and you're early testing and by the way, can you please sell us some ventilators?" As after Trump said, we should never be relying on a foreign country. The official uh, uh, account, uh, Moon said that uh, South Korea would be willing to export critical supplies, quote, "If there is a domestic surplus. right, We'll see. We'll see. Meantime, the Social Security Administration is going, quote, full steam ahead. This is from a quote from somebody in the Social Security Administration, end quote. Uh, new rules limiting disability benefits, which could affect hundreds of thousands of people. That's for Social Security Disability Income, SSDI. They're going full speed ahead to make it harder and harder and harder to get these disability benefits out of Social Security. Meanwhile, HHS, Department of Health and Human Services, and HUD, the Housing and Urban Development, are both going to continue their regular rulemaking process. This is from an article by uh, over on Huffington Post. To reduce automatic re-enrollment in health coverage and to make it harder for renters to sue landlords for racial discrimination. The U.S. Department of Agriculture said it will comply with a recently passed law suspending limits on the SNAP program for the duration, which I suppose is good news, suspending limits, but the law effectively halted a regulation that would have taken effect next month, cutting benefits to 700,000 people. So that's good. But on the other hand, there are still two SNAP cuts pending and USDA spokespeople declined to say whether the department still planned to finalize eligibility changes that would shrink SNAP enrollment by 3 million. Meanwhile, in eight different warehouses in the United States, Amazon workers have tested positive. Amazon is coming in with a massive, you know, increase in their sanitization processes and, and you know, worker space. I mean, they, they just cannot do, run their business if they've got people falling down ill. And so uh, but some of the employees and contractors have signed an online petition saying that they're concerned about, quote, the lack company's lack of protective measures. And that they want paid sick leave and child care subsidies and hazard pay if they're having to interact with other people. Amazon is giving happy talk, but I think that they're, they're going to have to do this. I mean, this is public health stuff. This is just basic science. Amazon on Monday said that they kicked nearly 4,000 third-party sellers off their platform and removed more than a half million product offerings because of price gouging during the coronavirus crisis. That's, I suppose, good news. So this $2 trillion coronavirus bill that Trump's tweeting he's in favor of, it specifically bans the Trump family, actually anybody who works in the White House or Congress, from receiving any of the benefits. I don't know if they exempted the Supreme Court as well or not, but taxpayer-backed loans cannot go to companies owned by Donald Trump. So what's he gonna do? He's gonna give them all to his son, right? This is gonna be the thing that's gonna cause him to divest himself. Or he'll figure out some scam way around it. He'll have his son create a new company and and say, uh, well, this company should do it. Provides $150 billion for state and local stimulus funds, $130 billion for hospitals. Extends unemployment insurance benefits. You get an additional $600 a week from the feds if you're on state unemployment. Republicans agreed to allow an oversight board and create a Treasury Department Special Inspector General for pandemic recovery. Now, that's the good news. The bad news is the five members of the board are appointed by the president. And their oversight is provided by the Senate. You got a Republican president, and a Republican Senate. I'm not real optimistic about how that's going to play out. But, you know, hey, these are tough times. Now, the House is out of session right now. We'll be talking to Congressman Mark Pocan tomorrow. But Mnuchin says Trump is going to sign the bill. That's the good news. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week and it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two ends, or enter the code Hartman, with two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from CookUnity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. That's 50% off your first week by using the code HARTMAN or going to cookunity.com slash HARTMAN.
3: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk
4: about starting the morning right.
3: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget.
5: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On the line
2: with us is the editorial director and publisher, The Nation magazine. <laughs> TheNation.com is the website. The Twitter handle, at The Nation or at Katrina Nation, it's Katrina Vandenhoevel. Katrina, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. I hope you and yours are safe. So far, so good. Yeah. And, And you and Steve? Yes, we are. We're all working remotely. We closed our office as of the 12th of March.
6: We're doing what we can to move forward in the hope that, Tom, something you've always spoken of, that compassion, courage, and community prevail in these times because we're seeing a lot of other tendencies moving forward in our political policy and other arenas.
2: Yeah, Trump just did a town hall where he was ranting about we don't shut the nation down when 35,000 people die from flu. Like, he did a, a town hall.
6: Or, well, he's clearly missing the rallies, those rage-infused rallies. But it's a question about what kind of country we are, what's at the soul of our nation. And Mr. Trump, President Trump has one view, but millions of others see this country as something above the crassness of bailouts for yeah, big I, corporations, cruise liners and airplanes these are times when you think of what provides strong immunity for this country is a strong social safety net. And something that I wrote about last week, but I think I'm interested in your sense, Tom, I can't remember a crisis like this. And we've worked through 9-11, hurricanes, natural disasters. Yeah. We weren't around in 1918. But I think what's important is to think of how this crisis exposes the cracks in our system, the real fissures, and what we can do to be a stronger country coming out of this. Not a weaker one, not one in which bailouts, as we have seen after the financial crisis of 2008, were given with few strings to those who need it at least. But I know in your community, in your state, mine as well, and around the country, small businesses need support, need help, and millions of working people. The unemployment rolls are skyrocketing, and I do think that while many in Congress are not doing what they need to do, there are many of our allies, Congressional Progressive Caucus, those who are really understanding the need to put together a package that will
2: really try to boost what's needed
6: in these times.
2: We're talking with Katrina Vanden the editorial director and publisher at The Nation magazine. TheNation.com is the website. Uh, Katrina, what specifically are the things that you're suggesting?
6: Well, I think we need to think, and my colleague John Nichols has a post at com. think very clearly about how we keep people in jobs. And there are some models around the world, but keep people in jobs, work sharing new kinds of arrangements to avert mass unemployment, which will be harder to build out of, to come out of. I think we need to think hard about what kind of health care system we desperately need. Obviously, Medicare for All, one of Bernie Sanders' key proposals, is amplified and highlighted and featured in this moment. But in the short term, this idea of universal basic income, which is now something even Republicans are toying with, right? $1,000, 1500 2000 cash grants to people. I think that needs to be fused with a jobs program and a jobs program that's in sync maybe with a Green New Deal where you're rebuilding a country in healthy ways. And then you need support for small businesses. I'm thinking not just of in this city, in New York, small cafes or bodegas, but I think also of your great city, I mean, Powell's is there, right? Yeah, and and they're, closed, they're basically closed it. down.
2: I think they're and doing uh, mail shipping,
6: clo- so. Right. Again, my colleague John Nichols had a post that this is a time to think hard about how you support journalism, which the best governors have explained that it reliable, clear journalism, informational journalism is vital at this time, but small bookstores. The cultural life of our country. And I think there are ways to think about those small businesses as the circulatory system of our country. But it's jobs. It's keeping people healthy. It's the madness of a system that has disinvested as opposed to investing publicly and healthfully. And that, I think, you know, is something that one hates to be opportunistic. But in a crisis, you either come out weaker And you have a looting economy or shock doctrine, as Naomi Klein has written about, where the worst ideas are taken off the shelf and imposed on people, or people rise up and try to build out a healthier country coming out of crisis
2: if we look at really major crises that have happened here in north america in the 1770s there was an economic crash that led the british government in 1773 to rebate all taxes paid to the british east india company on tea which led right to the tea party and right to the american revolution and then there was the crisis of the revolution itself but out of that came a, a democratic republic um in the 1860s out of the civil war came abolition and came some progressive changes Now, they didn't stick as well as they should have, but, you know, it it happened. Out of the Great Depression came Franklin Roosevelt's moving the country forward in very, very positive ways through the New Deal. And out of the death of Martin Luther King and John Kennedy came the Great Society, Lyndon Johnson's programs, Medicare, Medicaid. Those programs would not have been possible without the crisis that preceded them. My sense is that if we get a good progressive Democrat in the White House, and if the Democrats can take control of the Senate in this election in November, this could be another one of those positive turning points that seem to happen about every 80 years, where the country just makes a giant leap forward in terms of progressive values. What think you?
6: I think it's optimistic, but these are times for optimism, however crazy that sounds. And I do think that change comes, and we've seen change begin, and then suddenly there's a leap. And I think as you laid it out, it's very rational, Tom. On the other hand, I would argue that we need to build on all of the contemporary leaps, you know, coming out of the New Deal, coming out of the Great Society, because for the last 70-plus years, we've seen a rollback of the civilizing advances of those years. We need to build on those. They had their shortcomings, of course. But, you know, as you talk... I think of the first Reconstruction, the nation was founded in 1865, coming out of the Civil War. And the second Reconstruction, in many ways, Brown versus Board, the Civil Rights Movement at that time. And the third Reconstruction is something Reverend Barber, who's our Civil Rights correspondent, has written about. We need a fourth Reconstruction that draws together on the best of the contemporary leaps and changes that you've described that has a strong climate piece to it. But I think it's very possible... If we don't get a progressive president, if we get a democratic president with progressive tendencies. It will demand that those in Congress and in the movements of our time are very engaged in building out with strong ideas, strong movements, strong coalitions, and strong organization and mobilization. I think it's possible. And I think we need to think about how we rebuild our politics and policies
2: in this time toward that leap you suggest. Yeah, I'm with you. And time to start organizing. Katrina Vanden the publisher and editorial director of The Nation magazine, thenation.com. Katrina, thanks so much for dropping by today. Great. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And you and Steve, stay safe, please. Stephen. You too, Tom. You and yours. Thank you. We're doing our best. Thanks, Katrina. Great talking with you. Trump's Fox News Town Hall. When given an opportunity to ask questions, frequent Fox News contributor Dr. Nicole Safier, who works as a radiologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering's Cancer Center in New York, said, We still have a lag in testing, which did not have anything to do with you. But my question is for Dr. Burks and the task forces. We still see across the nation that some people are not able to get tests. I have colleagues that still can't. We are beholden to you. Fox News Coronavirus Town Hall lavishes bizarre praise on Trump this is bizarre. And then this, Donald Trump is responding to Governor Cuomo this morning saying, please send us the ventilators. You sent us 400. We need 16,000. Please send us the ventilator. So Trump quotes an article that was on this right-wing website, Gateway Pundit, which is famous for promoting hoaxes and and just making crap up. And this is what Trump said, and I quote, This says, he's talking about this article from Gateway Pundit. This says, quote, New York Governor Cuomo rejected buying recommended 16,000 ventilators in 2015 for a pandemic. Established death panels and lotteries instead. So, Trump continues, he had a chance to buy in 2015 16,000 ventilators at a very low price and he turned it down. I'm not blaming him or anything else, but he shouldn't be talking about us. Right. Grifters quoting grifters. I mean, it just doesn't get any worse than that. Russ in Portland. Hey Russ, thanks for watching us on Free Speech, what's up?
4: Given that the SARS outbreak in 2003 came out of China, and given that China is a breeding ground for these situations where viruses make jumps from animals to people, Wouldn't it have made sense to have an American epidemiologist embedded with the Chinese CDC, someone who, say, was training Chinese field epidemiologists who were deployed to the epicenter of outbreaks to help track, investigate, and contain diseases? Wouldn't it have made sense to have an American epidemiologist embedded in the Chinese CDC? And, of course, the answer to that is yes. And the fact is we had that person in Dr. Linda Quick.
2: Until July of last year.
4: Right. Well, you knew about So you know about, yeah, from July, she was taken out by the Trump people. In my opinion, she was taken out for the same reason that they took down the pandemic response team in the National Security Agency. This was tainted by the bad African-American president, Barack Obama, and everything that Obama touched has to be taken down. This is just insane.
2: I agree, and I also agree with your opinion as to why this happened, that if Obama did it, first African-American president, we can't tolerate any possibility that there's any Obama legacy around that might be viewed as positive. Russ, thank you for the call. Spot on. Ron in Kingsville, Maryland. Hey, Ron. Thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
7: This reality TV star, this small-minded reality TV star we got, I think what he's expecting is uh, he's expecting a uh, miracle movie ending. He's still clinging on to the idea that this whole thing is going to disappear beginning of April. That's why I say he's going to be looking at bringing everything back in a couple weeks, telling everybody everything's okay. I really do believe he's hanging on to that
8: idea.
2: Well this is what he said in his Foxtown Hall, he said that Easter is going to be the end of it all. It'll all be over by Easter, which is 19 days from now. He's delusional, Ron. He's absolutely delusional. Ed in Klamath Falls, Oregon. Hey, Ed, what's up?
9: Yeah, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people say that Trump's not doing a good job, but I've been listening to the TV around the world, like France and England and Spain and Germany, and everybody's saying that their leader is not doing a good job. They didn't pay attention soon enough, and they're not doing enough to get us. Uh, these are the nurses in the hospitals and whatnot saying he's not doing enough it's- to get us uh, masks and gloves, and we're exposed, and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? It, everybody's saying exactly the same thing because that's how it, does, that's how it works when, when you're in a crisis.
2: Well, I don't know if this is true or not, Ed, and it's something that would be worth looking into. But we know that Donald Trump was warned about this. In fact, he was warned about this when he came into office, the possibility of a, a pandemic, that he inherited two agencies, one in the, in the National Security Council and one in the Department of Homeland Security, that had been put into place after the sars uh, epidemic and after the H1N1 flu in order to deal with this. And he dismantled both of them. We know that in January, actually in December, the U.S. spy agencies, which are not available to Italy and, and France and, the, and, and Spain, that the U.S. spy agencies were specifically telling Trump, this is real. It's breaking out in China. It will be here. We need to start getting ready. Trump ignored all of that. I don't know if Italy and Spain had the kind of advance warning that we did, but we had the advance warning and we had the systems in place to deal with it. And Trump took them apart. So, Ed, I'm I'm not going with you, you know, when you say, oh, Trump's no worse than any of the other leaders. I, I think he's far worse. We should be leading the world in this stuff. We shouldn't be, you know, sitting back and saying, oh, well, Italy's just as bad. Sorry, Ed. Linda in Matlock, Washington. Hey, Linda, you have an update for us? You're a registered nurse, it says here.
10: I am so happy to be in the state of Washington because Jay Inslee has really taken the lead on this. I'm a registered nurse for the state of Washington, and they instituted taking fast temperatures before we even enter our facility. They do that. Every employee that passes through the door, you're looking at the screening questions, they're taking your temperature every day. And also, Inslee also um, issued us letters that if we are encountering law enforcement while we are commuting to and from our jobs that we actually do have... Authorization as emergency workers to be out on the roads, regardless of how locked down the state of Washington may be. So Whoa. we're we're really trying to do what we can. Um, my other thing is that I also do the purchasing of supplies, and through uh, big suppliers like McKesson, um, they are limiting what you can actually buy. They lo- they're looking at your history and profile purchases, and if mm. you're starting to purchase way too much, they have the right to either cancel your order. Or reduce your shipment. And this morning I was ordering thermometer probe covers, which are out of stock in the McKesson system. Hand sanitizer is limited. Face masks are limited. And alcohol prep pads. So they are really monitoring the amount of stuff that people are actually able to buy off of even the distributorship
2: level. Wow. And, this is for and nurses. nurses in hospitals and doc offices.
10: Yeah, for hospitals. Yeah. Also, there's a big staffing shortage. In that, one of our ICU nurses was actually recruited to go to Seattle for $150 an hour, and I've heard. In yeah, I heard. There's uh, also I, some that. I, I got an email last outrageous. week from
2: a nurse who said that the one that uh, up in Spokane there was a, a facility that was offering her $115 an hour to come to work. Now, apparently, it's yeah, up to $150 now. Yeah, they are now. desperate. Um, yeah. Yeah. In terms in terms of of labor, I get it. And and if somebody is walking into what could be death, I mean, this is this is what has Louise and I so concerned about. You know, two of our kids who are frontline healthcare workers. One is going to be rotating into the emergency room in a couple of weeks, and the other one can mm. be called in. And yeah, uh, it's just it's just scary stuff. I mean, you know, we we all have to, you know, hope that the hospitals you know here can learn from the hospitals in Washington and be ready for this. It's it's. Uh, It's going to be really tough. Uh, uh, Linda, thank you for the call. I I, I appreciate it. Thanks for the heads up. Marsha in Winter Park, Florida. Hey, Marsha, what's up? I'm kind of with you on the whole Gaia idea. That wasn't Mm -hmm. what I was going to talk about. And you don't
9: have to think about that in terms of a planet having consciousness. You can just think Mm -hmm. of it in terms of seeking balance for itself, just an organism. Sure. There was some element being discussed about this legislation that There would be some effort made to stop the bleeding first, where banks and mortgage moratoriums and interest accumulation, student loan piece,
2: what do you know about that? My understanding, I've seen in some cases conflicting reports because this has been negotiated over the last few days and it's gone back and forth and back and forth and nobody in the House of Representatives has even seen it yet. So everything we're learning is from, you know, basically news releases from Chuck Schumer or, you know, squeals of pain from right wing Republicans. And but my understanding is that it does uh, place more term on many of those things, but let's hold off on saying that with any certainty for a day or so. Um, I think that the bill that Nancy Pelosi is working on in the House right now, this $2 trillion, you know, this will take us up to five, will start providing people with a couple thousand dollars a month every month on an ongoing basis. And that's really what we need. We you know one-time stimulus packages for a long-term disaster are crazy. It might have made sense after 9/11. It was a one-time. It was a short disaster. This is a long one. Marsha, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Fair in uh, Stoddard, New Hampshire. Hey, Fair, what's on your mind today?
9: If we don't all shelter in place for three weeks in this country and have a contingent policy, and in an order to do that, that we're not gonna be able to open our economy, really. At the end of some hodgepodge, you know, state by state, everybody's doing it differently.
2: No, and then- No, I'm, I'm with you and it's gonna be more like three months than three meter. weeks.
9: That, what? I said
2: Excuse it's gonna be more like three months than three weeks. Look at the experience well, of China. Like it's gonna be three okay. months, not three weeks.
9: If we all shelter in place for three weeks, those of us that had the virus would get sick in that time and we wouldn't be passing it around to society. It would give medical, um, cold, you know, the manufacturer, um, the, the equipment that hospitals need, a time to catch up maybe mm-hmm. and get that in place. Yeah. We would know there'd be a lot more testing. We could test the people that we thought were sick and everybody that came into contact with them. You know, because if you have everything in motion, then it's impossible to keep track of it. So that's why if everybody Mm. has stayed in place, then we would be able to get a handle on it. And I'm afraid, I mean, Trump isn't going to close planes coming to this country. Other countries are going to keep our planes from coming to their country. Because if they're responsible and get their fire... Several countries have announced that. They have.
2: Yeah. They're shutting down planes from the United States. They're putting us on the list along with China as a hotspot.
9: Yeah. Well, we are a hotspot. So I just think, you know, put the fear into the Trump administration. They've got this kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, immediate gratification with those open by Easter. (laughs) And It's Mm -hmm. completely ridiculous. It's going to backfire on
2: them. Thank you, Fair. Spot on. Benjamin in Jackson, Mississippi. Hey, Benjamin. Thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up?
11: Well, I was hoping maybe you could explain to me. I watched an interview with uh, Nancy Pelosi the other day on uh, MSNBC, and they pretty much gave her an open mic to reply to, you know, any criticism of her bills and everything. And I was just curious, maybe you could explain to me, uh, while people are needing food, needing money, needing, you know, relief and all this why it's so important mm-hmm. to uh, include $350 million for the Kennedy Center for um, same-day registration, for diversity boards to be set up on every company that accepted uh, a loan, not a bailout, but these are loans. Mm-hmm. These are not free money. Right. The, as I understand it, the Democrats are wanting free money to go to cities, and not corporations. So is that not a slush fund as well?
2: Yeah, you know, the the uh, let's create a uh, diversity uh, issue for our boards. I mean, these are structural changes that really should be debated independent of the virus. In my opinion, it is a good thing, though. It's so much racism in this country, and it's so permeated the corporate culture. That's a good thing. But whether it should be in these bills,
5: you know, I can't defend that.
3: Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. (sighs) That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm Mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it
0: should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back,
2: Oh, cat porn, cat porn update. We, <laughs> I went downstairs and our cat, who started watching this this video of birds at seven o'clock in the morning, is still watching him. Our youngest, he's two years old and he's still sort of kitty, kitten-ish. So uh, that's going on. It's, it's pretty funny. Tom in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind today?
4: Oh, hi. I got two short phrases. Names okay. that fit into our current story. One is your money
7: or your life.
4: All right. And the other one is wash your hands of this. We're washing our hands of virus, but we should be washing our hands of um, war. We should be, uh, the phrase goes all the way back to Pilate, wash, you know, which is appropriate sure. for Easter. It's such a beautiful day. Yeah, Pilate washing his
2: hands of responsibility for um, the crucifixion, executing Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I'm just tossing those out for you to riff on. But okay, well, I think I think they're great, Tom. Let me let me put them in the bio computer and see what pops out shortly. Thank you for the call. By the way, the. Uh, this uh, report from New York City. The Department of Homeland Security has been briefed that New York City's morgues are nearing capacity. Now, the federal government after 9-11 had provided them with morgue assistance. There's a program in uh, HHS called the Disaster Mortuary Operational Response Teams, DMORT, uh, you know, basically portable mortuaries and uh, morticians. Uh, haven't heard from Trump whether he's going to do anything about that. He did say uh, yesterday or the day before uh, that he would help out in New York if they would be nice to me. Really? David in Spotwood, New Jersey. Hey David, what's on your mind today?
7: Hey, um, you know, I remember in the 2008 financial crisis, Ben Bernanke had the fortitude to talk about the risk to deflation. Nobody's Mm. talking about it today. I mean, not even economists or commentators on TV and I'd like to just give a quick example. Um, uh, I read in a book once that in Thailand, you know, if a paint factory moved close to a river and was dumping paint, uh, you know, Uh, If you get turpentine into the river, the people around the river would stop spending because they anticipated getting sick. So if they open up the country on April 19th, first of all, it's going to be a logistics problem for every HR department because when somebody gets sick, they're going to have to find out who that person had to contact with and then send those people home. That's not going to be very good for morale, and it's also going to set um, a stage of a uh, cycle of deflation. First, people will get afraid of being sick. Then when prices go down, nobody will want to buy because then they'll want to get the, the product at a lesser good. And what will happen is the suppliers will go out of business, and then we'll have a, we'll have a hyperinflation afterwards. I don't hear anybody talking about it.
2: Yeah, I don't know about the hyperinflation afterwards, but what I'm seeing right now... Well, there'll be a lack of suppliers. A, suppliers would go out of business. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't cause hyperinflation. It's not just too few goods. It's too few goods that are essential to the functioning of the economy. That's a really important caveat. When you had the massive food shortages in Zimbabwe, Robert Mugabe came in and, and basically changed who could, or, who could own farms the outcome of that over the short term was that people who didn't know how to farm owned the farms and food wasn't produced and there was a massive famine what that did is it jacked the price of food so high because food was essential to the economy that the uh, i think the dollar was their currency the zimbabwean uh, form of it it experienced ten thousand times of inflation here in the united states we saw this in the nineteen seventies when the arabs cut off our oil the price of oil went up everything in the united states runs on oil but the inability of a of a hardware supplier to to get rid of all the wood that they've got in stock is going to drive down wood prices you're going to see deflation there um but the inability of them to get more into the over the short term but over the long term the inability of them to get more wood into the supply chain is not going to cause hyperinflation what we're seeing is selective inflation and deflation Um, louise has been trying to order vegetables online and she's watching her carts actually the price going up throughout the day right as the as stores are they're they're not doing the massive price gouging that amazon is kicking people off for but you're seeing 5 10 15% increases in food i was saying after and you're going to see the deflation a decrease in everything else yeah sure. but i you know i think that after you know i i think where your deflation is going to show up first and it's going to be a real risk to america i agree with you on that is in housing you know, uh, nobody's going around looking at houses to buy. Nobody wants people, strangers coming into their house to buy a house. That entire market is shut down. David, thanks for the call. Susan in uh, Alachua, Florida. Alach- Alachua. Alachua. Go ahead.
12: Alachua. Alachua.
2: Alachua. Thank you, Susan. <laughs>
12: is there anything in this stimulus plan to help seniors? For years, we have been getting Social Security. And so our Checks have gone up by minuscule amounts, but still, we are the ones who have disposable spending. And we have been propping up the economy for years because, you know, we get money. We're not relying on an employer. We get money. And so we can go to the restaurants. We can buy, you know, high-end food. We can do whatever we, we're we taking the trips, but um, I don't see us getting any you know notice about this and you're trying and they're trying to take social security away from us and if they do that then who's going to be spending money
2: Right. Well, let me address that, Susan. Number one, ever since 1935, when Social Security got rolled out, what we have seen is that Social Security has been a shock absorber for the economy. E- economic downturns aren't as bad. Economic upturns are not as radical because you've got a bunch of people on Social Security who are basically living on that Social Security. Number one. Number two, you said you know people on Social Security have extra disposable income. That's probably true for a small percentage of people on Social Security. Um, it's true for me. I'm, I'm getting Social Security, and it's like free money. Extra extra money because I also have a small income from this radio show, which although that's probably going to zero this month um, and months going forward, we're going to protect our employees first, always, you know, uh, even if they get sick, we're going to do everything we can to protect our employees. But, um, uh, you know, I'm not sure every other company is run that way. But in any case, I'm in that category. But but I know that my wife's mother, for example, who's almost 90 years old, Uh, is getting, I believe, about $800 a month. I don't know how you even live on that. So, but, you know, number three, to answer your direct question, you know, if you're on Social Security, what's in it for me? I believe, and again, we haven't seen this legislation. We don't know all the details, but it looks like this $1,200 one-time check or $2,400 per couple that's gonna be going out, will be going to all social security recipients as well. So, you know, there's a small small uh, silver lining in that. Did all that make sense, Susan? Yes, you do. And you okay. always make sense. Thank okay. you very much. Thank, Thank you. It's, it's great to hear from you, Susan. Jim in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Jim, what's up? It's a company called Kinza and they sell
8: an electronic thermometer that sends the readings back to Kinza, so they can measure how many people are sick in the area, potentially. So, Mm -hmm. which doesn't surprise you or me, florida is completely red of course there's probably a lot yeah, of old it. and rich pe- there's a lot of old and rich people there too but mm. uh, uh, he said the guy Kenza to Rachel, that florida will be the hottest place the worst place from the virus in two weeks which of course you know and i know but yeah. but this thermometer is really an interesting tool which could be used to measure temperatures, e- even though it's not corona uh,
2: mm-hmm. specific? Well, they're able so, to create an algorithm that tell you know that that from they've been doing this for nine years now, and so they they know what uh, normal flu season looks like, and they know what the common cold looks like. And so they can create an algorithm that reverses those numbers out. So everything that they're looking at in that map that you saw last night, um everything on that map is the stuff that's an anomaly relative to the colds or flu. It's not, it's not normal with, it's not within the normal spectrum for those, uh, for those diseases and therefore is almost certainly coronavirus. And yeah, Florida, I looked at that and I was shocked. You're going to see, you're going to see a need for morgues in Florida in three or four weeks.
8: Yeah. Okay. That's about all I had. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you, Jim. Uh, appreciate the call. Jonathan in Portland. Hey, Jonathan, what's up?
1: I uh Tom noticing something really peculiar, I'm um, looking at all of the rates of testing or the numbers of people tested rather in, in each state compared to numbers of people testing positive and there's a tremendous disparity. In New Jersey, eighty-five percent of the people tested are testing positive. Um, in Oregon it's five percent. And then in all in between twenty-five percent in New York, twelve in California, seven in Washington. This is really peculiar. I don't know why this is happening. I could guess. But it's very hard to make rational decisions when you really uh, don't have uh, a, an apples-to-apples comparison. Right. Um, and the, Well, the I, thing, I think in New
2: Jersey, what you're looking at is a hotspot that was previously unrecognized. And, and you know, they're testing it into a hotspot. And here in Oregon, it's not yet a hotspot. We've got places that are hotspots, but it's not statewide or it's not, you know, regional. It's not large chunks of the state.
1: I think I think that could be, but I, I think it's a guess, and I think it's uh, something that not one person in the media has talked about, and I think it's extremely important we understand why this is happening. Um, and the other thing that I'll say is that Oregon <clears throat> is at the bottom of the list in terms of hospital beds per thousand. We have, like, two per thousand as compared with, like, D.C. or, or, or South Dakota, which is, you know, 4.4, 48 as compared with germany and south korea and which is all you know nine eight nine ten hospital beds per thousand and i think that's why germany and, and south korea are doing better at managing it and countries like italy with are are not
2: well they're also protecting their vulnerable populations that's that's part of the whole shelter in place thing that they've been doing in south korea and germany now If you can keep people who are at risk away from people who are, are, um, you know, likely to be contagious and be running around a lot because they're young, then that's a good thing. Jonathan, excellent points, all. Thank you very much for the call. This piece by Alex Henderson over on Alternet is really grim. Donald Trump said of New York, "quote It's a two-way street. They have to treat us well, also." And then the Daily Beast notes, "Under normal circumstances, such a screed would be cast aside as a classic bit of Trumpian s-word talking and thin-skinnedness. But these aren't normal times, and Trump's comment resonated not only for how callous it seemed, but also for how manufactured the evidence was that he was citing." And uh, Mario Cuomo has been going out of the way to be, you know, calling Trump gracious. Uh, he's Thank the president. He said He's repeatedly said he and Trump speak often about this. Um, when he does blast the response of the administration, he doesn't refer to Trump or the Trump administration. He refers to the federal government. And, uh, but Trump has been trying to kick the blame to the states. And you're going to see more and more of this. Um, it's going to be tough, though, when the next state to go down in flames, and I'm talking big time, go down in flames, is Florida. You're going to see Florida and then Louisiana Spring Break Central and Mardi Gras Central, you're going to see these two states experience a massive crisis, a crisis that within four weeks from now is going to be a crisis of morgue facilities. Keep in mind, you know, Trump goes on TV and says, oh, 35,000 people are here die from the flu. I mean, and so you've got people saying, well, it's just the flu. No, this, this is going to kill between a million and two million Americans and many, may, maybe as many as three million Americans um, if we don't do something, if we don't batten down the hatches. We've got to get ready for this. Meanwhile, Rod Kovacevic, the former CEO of Wells Fargo, in an interview with Bloomberg, this is is how these psychopathic or sociopathic uh, bank banksters, these bank CEOs think. He said, and I quote, We'll gradually bring those people back and see what happens. Some of them will get sick. Some may even die. I don't know. Do you want to suffer more economically or take some risk that you'll get flu-like symptoms and a flu-like experience? Do you want to take an economic risk or a health risk? You get to choose. This is what happens when these flaming fools listen to Donald Trump and watch Fox News and listen to right-wing hate radio. And they're misinformed and they're putting all the rest of us at risk. Meanwhile, India has said, you know, hydroxychloroquine? Sounds great. We make it here in India. In fact, we make the world's supply of it here in India. And guess what, United States? You're not going to get any. India has banned the export of hydrochloroquine, the, the, this drug that Donald Trump is touting, uh, the, the anti-malaria drug, that seems to have some effectiveness against severe cases of this and you know may even have broader application. We'll find out as the science starts coming in. But India has said, no, And India also shut down the entire country, 1.3 billion people, which causes me to wonder. You know, I I told you uh, a few weeks ago, my doctor contacted me and said, I want to write a 90-day prescription for your blood pressure meds. Um, Now, I'm taking a very low dose of a a drug, but the drug is only manufactured in India out of a raw material that only comes out of China. And so he said, you know, knowing this, I'm going to give you a 90-day supply. Well, now I'm starting to think maybe I should have a year's supply. Except that I can't reach my doctor. I mean, he's swamped with people who are freaked out about coronavirus. The last thing he wants is, oh, will you, will you double my prescription? And that sounds like hoarding, and that's probably not a good thing. But three months from now, or two and a half months from now, um, you know, some of us might be in for a big surprise. And we'll see where this goes. But I, I am very, very concerned about this. Down in Texas, this again, this falls into the, into the category of these absolute flaming fools, these asses. Who, who watch Fox News, these poor—well, maybe I should portray, portray them as, as poor victims of Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch. But uh, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram reports that Judge Chris Hill on Tuesday—this uh, is from Raw Story—released an order stating that businesses should stay o- open on the grounds that closing them would be bad for the economy. Hill wrote in his—this is a judge making an order. Yes, you must go to work in Texas. He said, persons who are employed need to stay employed. Persons who lack employment need to gain employment. All businesses, jobs, and workers are all businesses, jobs, and workers are essential to the financial health and well-being of our local economy and therefore are essential to the financial health and well-being of Collin County citizens. So he said, you know, social distancing, cool, sanitary measures, cool, but everybody needs to go to work. I mean, this is how bad it's getting. Then Donald Trump. Donald Trump has got, you know, he's got a weekly Bible meeting that uh, for his cabinet. He doesn't show up, but his cabinet members do, uh, including Betsy DeVos, Ben Carson, Alex Azar, and Mike Pompeo, four hardcore fundamentalist Christians. I believe Pompeo is Catholic. I'm not sure Ben Carson. DeVos is, is uh, you know, one of these Calvinists. She follows the Calvinist teaching that John Calvin laid out that if you're rich, that means you're one of God's chosen people. And Alex's are, I don't know, but four of 52 members of Congress every week get together with this pastor. Uh, and his name is Ralph Drawlinger. And he does a Bible study every week. In his most recent Bible study, he says, this is a quote from uh, Sky Palma over on uh, Drudge, or on uh, Daily Kos, excuse me. He railed against the religion of environmentalism and people who express a proclivity toward lesbianism and homosexuality, who he claims have infiltrated high positions in our government, our educational system, our media, and our entertainment industry, and are largely responsible for God's wrath on our nation. That is to say the coronavirus. You're
5: listening to the Tom Hartman
2: program. This is Trump's official pastor doing Bible study with his cabinet saying that gay people are responsible for the coronavirus? Really? I remember this from the Reagan administration. Tom Harmon here with you. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's up? Hey, Tom. I just
13: want to say I absorb a lot of media and I think in a very unbiased manner. And your coverage of this uh, Corona epidemic is top notch. It's the best. You got to deserve an award. But I also wanted to say my theory on why Trump is doing. It seems like he's doing counterintuitive stuff, but it's all in peril. Look, Mm -hmm. you got it a little bit wrong, Tom. It's not the elderly or the vulnerable that he necessarily wants to kill. What it is, is a philosophy, and it's not dissimilar to Kim Jong-un and the Ju-Chi philosophy in North Korea. Look... Kim Jong-un and Trump cannot manage these huge populations by themselves. They need a cadre. They need a cadre of elite. And in this case, it is the millionaires and billionaires for Donald Trump. All right? So let's say you make sixty dollars to $100,000 a year, and you die a horrible death from the coronavirus. Now, an owner that makes $20 million a year suffers a financial loss, and his salary, is, his income is down to $10 million a year. All right? That is worse than the $60,000 to $100,000 person dying in the mind of Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell gave his speech today, you know, Democrats can't take yes for an answer speech, where he said, look, we're trying to help the worker, but they're also trying to help the major national employer. That's men, that's an ambigram of men, major national employer. That is the donor class. Mitch McConnell is more like Richard Nixon. At the end of Nixon's term, Nixon was an American. He knew he could only go back to California. Mitch McConnell knows he can only go to Kentucky, I think. But Donald Trump's different. He he seeks patronage from the likes of Vladimir Putin and Chairman Xi and these authoritarians. And I think Donald Trump feels that he can take America into a new age of autocratic rule.
2: So part of the reason why Donald Trump may be sucking up to autocrats like Putin and Xi and Erdogan in Turkey, places where he has or wants to have Trump properties, that he's sucking up to these people because he thinks in times of a real Trump crisis, if he's indicted or there's a real crisis in his business, that he can simply flee to those countries and they will protect him. He views them as big daddy protectors.
13: That's what Viktor Yanukovych did. There was a caller earlier that yeah. talked about Vladimir Putin. I would, it, I would encourage her to look at Novosibirsk, the vector lab, and look at the money Putin has pumped into the vector lab at Novosibirsk. That is a state-of-the-art viral investigative authority. I mean, it's, it's state-of-the-art. It's like our Fort Detrick. It's better. It's better than our Fort Detrick. And to tell you the truth, Vladimir Putin is the natural patron of authoritarianism. It's not really even yeah. Vladimir Putin's fault. That's why I put it like that. People are going to have to understand that Donald Trump is nobody's friend. Right? Look at what he's doing to Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos could easily be Kadri. He could easily be yeah. hell hath no fury. Excuse my language. Hell hath no
2: right. fury. Well, that's because that's cause, dude, right. Because Bezos owns The Washington Post. Dave, thanks for the call. Tish in Minneapolis. Hey, Tish, what's up?
12: about
9: Trump wanting to get the economy up to full speed again and risking all of our lives. I'm just wondering if we're overthinking it. He is so primitive
12: and narcissistic that maybe he's just watching his hotels and golf
9: courses and resorts losing a ton of money. And he's thinking, to hell with this. i got to get my businesses back up and running.
2: Yeah, he's losing a half million dollars a day which may be unsustainable for him, given that he really is not rich. He's just massively in debt. So any of that's possible. It's entirely possible, Tish. Thanks for listening to AM 950. Uh, Tim in Los Angeles. Hey, Tim, what's up?
11: Something's missing here. I haven't heard anything from the religious right. And I put myself
13: in that. Jerry Falwell's
2: university is still open and they're inviting students back from spring break now to Liberty University. This is not going to end well. Franklin Graham is running ads on TV. We've got people who will pray with you. Just call our toll-free number, give us some money. And then you've got a bunch of right-wing preachers saying, come to my services, give me money. Don't worry, God will heal you. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah,
11: but I, I just wonder, I mean, I, I know some of these people all my life. I'm not a religious person, but I wonder why nobody's saying that this is some
2: kind of God's revenge on Trump. right? Yeah, this is like a biblical plague. I don't know. I I really don't know. One of these days, maybe we'll find out. Tim, thanks for the call. Gail in Antelope, California. The last 45 seconds are yours. Gail, what's up?
4: As far
12: as comparing this coronavirus to the flu, I'd like to point out we have vaccines for flu. I get a flu shot every year, and we also have antiviral drugs that work on them. Nothing
9: works on this yet.
2: All excellent points. And then the, the larger point that I was making is the flu doesn't clog our emergency rooms. You know, we, we have ventilator we have ventilator capacity for the flu, but we can't go beyond the flu. Gail, thank you for the call. Well said. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place, broadcasting live from my home as Louise and I shelter in place. We got that our groceries be delivered. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport, especially in this time. There are a lot of things that you can do to participate in democracy with, you know, your local Democratic Party and lots of great groups from home. So get out there, get active, tag your it. Don't get out there, but you know what I mean. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. And tell your friends about how to find progressive media.
11: Thanks. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.